Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Uh, myself, Phil Kirkbride, and uh, back out from the cold of the international break. They all seem to have lost weight from absolute shock and fear of having the two weeks without Premiership footy. We've got Gav Buckland, Tony Scott, and uh, Chris Beasley is with us this week, and very welcome to. Um, we will be discussing a variety of topics today, obviously, looking ahead to the big game on Saturday at the Etihad. Man City will be discussing. You know, I'll be posing the question whether Everton are better off now that John Stones isn't isn't at the club and he's at City. Are we in a better place? We'll be talking tactics, formations, get the the ideas of the lads, see what they would do if they were in Ronald Koeman's no doubt expensive loafers. Um, we'll obviously touch on the club versus country route. I was going to say simmering, but it's full blown warfare now between Everton and the Republic of Ireland. And obviously, it would be remiss of us not to. Uh, Discuss, and I think we'll round off the podcast this week by discussing the the pictures that you've seen on the Echo website this afternoon. If you haven't, get on get onto the website and have a look. Uh, Fahad Mashiri leading an Everton delegation down to the Bramley Moor dock and the, a potential site for Everton's new stadium. But before we get onto new stadiums, we look ahead to a fairly new stadium in the Etihad, the Etihad and, and Everton's trip there this weekend. Tony... Give me your feelings, give me your thoughts about going into that game. Are you, as an Evertonian, are you confident we can go there and get a result? I think it's exactly what Everton needs at the moment. They need a big game. They've played teams. I think Tottenham's probably been the toughest toughest fixture we've had so far. We've played a couple of mid-table teams, a couple of teams struggling. I think this is exactly what Everton needs for me. It'll be a true test of to see what they've got. But more importantly, it'll be a test on the defence, which is being praised by Ronald Koeman and by a lot of Evertonians as well. We don't seem to concede too many goal, um, shots on our on target, do we? So this will be a massive test for Everton. And um, I think one that I'm, I'm confident on, I think we can at least get a goal over there and um, maybe sneak a point. Chris, Tony mentioned it's uh, the, the second best defence in the Premier League so far after the first mm-hmm. seven games. You know, uh, have we got any hope of getting a result there without Tim Cahill or you know Fellaini always used to <laughs> mop up and, and, yeah. and grab winners for us? What, what's, what's yeah, it was strange, wasn't it? For a long time, um, Everton seemed to have the, the Indian sign over City. They had a great record there, but it's kind of dried up in recent seasons. I think Moyes actually fed on that animosity that there was between City and Everton. Going and, to a gunfight with knives and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, that City, wasn't it? Knife, going to a gunfight with a knife. Did the whole Julian Lescott situation. Everton had a great record there, but it's been a number of years now since they've got a result there, so they are probably due one. Gav, so if we did go into a gunfight with a knife, as, <laughs> as old Davey used to say, is it a slightly sharper knife or have we upgraded to a gun in this one? Um, well, I think we probably may have upgraded to a gun, but I think City probably upgraded to a whole battleship. <laughs> <laughs> Battleship of guns, haven't they? So they're not playing City of 2008. Now, no, we were playing City of 
Guardiola was the manager, so both teams probably have shifted in that time. Um, I echo Tony's thoughts, which is not necessarily the best way to start the podcast, to be honest with you. But, you know, but no, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've had those, you get stupid feelings about the game. I've had a good feeling about this game all week, and I don't know why. I just think that it's a game that we can get a result out. I think for a number of reasons. I, I think, do you, it'd be to see your, your, your views on this. Do you think City are just a little bit overrated because Guardiola is the manager? And that, that, like, that actually he's seen as the second coming and that they're completely, you know, the dominant force. But actually, as we've seen in the last two games, Steve. You know, when they've been pressured and stuff, they maybe not look as great as what um, perhaps they are. And I think I think that's the key for us tomorrow. Is you know we're playing Man City now, we're not playing Barcelona in 2011. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the key thing for us psychologically tomorrow. Is, is as Tony was saying to go there, thinking we can get a result. Well, I just want to mention on that, Gavin. If you take away Spurs, and obviously we have to accept that the Liverpool, I'm sorry, I haven't played Liverpool. Have these take away Spurs tomorrow is probably Spurs. Um, Man City's hardest test in the league yeah. so far. And the people have mm. talked about, oh, I haven't had an easy start. So and so. Well, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, they played Sunderland on the first day. You know, we did Sunderland. You know, obviously, we should have got something at Bournemouth. They hammer Bournemouth. Mm. West Ham are in all sorts of yeah. trouble at the back. You know, so I think I think it's right to say that actually this will be than Spurs a really tough test because obviously the difference will be. The onus again will be on City because they're at home. Maybe at Spurs, it was it, they had obviously all the balls still, yeah. but it was a little bit different of a dynamic. So oh, we'll find I, out. I more think about this is moment. a nice time to play City at the moment. You've got De Bruyne injured as well, hasn't he? It, it, it basically um, just a little update. Pep Guardiola had his press conference today, and he said of the three, Aguero, Sterling, and De Bruyne, not all three will play. You're not going to hit them. I think Everton. It's a good time to play them. Me personally, it was, it was interesting. Ronald Koeman's thoughts on the City defence. In, in, during the week mm. he basically said the day to be got her they yeah. can be got her and as Tottenham proved last week if but you've got to have that fitness levels and it's going to be interesting mm. Tottenham's done that for 19 minutes didn't they and they got the results I think if you drop down a gear against Manchester City they can pin you back but I think Everton's fitness levels have got to be 100% tomorrow to, to get any kind of result whether a draw or a victory it's going to have to be 100% I think I think the difference between the Tottenham and Celtic games is that they were City playing away, weren't they? Mm. So they're playing at home tomorrow, which is a slightly different dynamic how you yeah. play the game. And I know you want to monitor tactics later on, uh, Phil. But I, I just think that we've got we've got enough about us to get a get a result tomorrow, and I think we should be looking at it positively, not thinking, well, you know, could be a bit of a pace to when you need some people. But God, if we were to get a result, we're so reliant. I know we bang on about it every week on the one player to score goals for us, aren't we? But the midfielders are going to have to chip in with goals, surely, for Everton to get a result. Well, the odd set piece. Um, I don't... I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's probably part of the tactics thing, isn't it? Um, be interesting to see how we set up. Um, when you see City's defence, you know, full-backs, maybe not as great as whether Blast can get any joy. How, how we play, I'm not saying. But hopefully we'll... Uh, I, 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 it's not... It's not, it's not you know, we're unsurmountable tasks tomorrow. Mm. If City are there to be got it at the backfield, where do you see Everton capitalising on that? I think it's got to be counter-attack football. You've got mm. to accept that they will have most of the ball, 60%, maybe plus possession. Yeah. You know, we we would love that to be the reverse and we'll yeah. control the game, but let's be realistic. Mm. And they play high line, don't they? Yeah. An exceptionally it's high really line. High, you know, yeah. I'm really intrigued to watch Bravo tomorrow and, and, and see how high he actually is at the pitch. That, to me, says Yannick Balassi and Rom Lukaku 
on the last shoulder, on the toes, and they've got to be so alert. But equally, they've got to be ruthless because if you look at how Tottenham did it, you know, they beat them and they were, the pressing was incredible. Yeah. The, the, the intensity was unbelievable. But, you know, in, 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 in reality, they didn't actually create that many chances. But, you know, you've got to be hitting the target. Yeah. We, we won't get second chances, really. And I, my mind, in, when I've been thinking about this game, goes back to the semi-final second leg last season. And De La Feu goes yeah. clean through. Yeah. And you just think, if he scores, game over, it's yeah. game over because that really kills them. But he just, it was, well, we all know what happened. It was, he barely touched it, did he? And he just yeah. rolled to the keeper. So, it, it's, to me, it's all about discipline, organisation, but being ruthless. And that's where Rom and Yannick have to come in and, and, and step up, so to speak. We just have enough to improve on there, Chris, to get any kind of result. Yeah, I think it could be the, the opportunity for Yannick Bellassi. We were mentioning him today in, in the office, the fact that, you know, he can be brilliant. And um, awful in the same game. I mean, there's a game up at Sunderland. He provided the cross for one of Lukaku's goals, but in the same game, he collapsed in the heap with nobody. <laughs> so hopefully, he could make that that breakthrough. Um, Cummins um, said to me, he sets a goal to target for him. Wants to chip in yeah. about half a dozen yeah. times. So as long as Rom doesn't keep uh, nicking them off, him, yeah. maybe this could be. This a good should this for should him. be perfect for Yannick Balassi. Should they yeah. big pitch away from home, City defence and high up the pitch. This is this this is what why we bought Yannick Balassi, isn't so. it? I think so, mate. Yeah, and I think I think I want to see. I'll ask you, you lads, what you would go with. I would go with. I think Gav will disagree, but we'll wait and see. I think I go. I go three five two. I'd pack. I'd pack the middle yeah. of the pitch. I pack the midfield, and the two would be Yannick and Rom. For me, Yannick will do. He'll he'll dig in and muck in at the back, so you can rely on him to be it. You know, ten men behind the ball if necessary. Whatever we play. But also, he's fit enough to be up and down, up and down, and you know, I, that's how I would play. Who's uh, the three-five-two filter? I'm, I'm bring, I would bring in Mason, Holgate, yeah. Jags, Ashley Williams. My two wing backs are Seamus and Bainsey. Then obviously across, so you've got Seamus and Bainsey either side as wing backs, and then you three others in the middle: Idrissa Gay, Barry, and I play Tom Cleverley. Wouldn't you play Barkley? No, no, mm. because I'm not convinced he's in the right place yeah. from the last few performances. I think it's time to. You know, the manager went with cleverly against Palace. You know, they played the four four two diamonds. He wanted them to be compact. He said, "That's what Tom will bring me." So I think, well, is it is it in Coon's makeup? Is it, is he the type of manager to go? Well, I'm going to try something and then oh, just dismiss it. I think he'll play him. I think he should play him. Do you think he's just playing just because he'll give more off the ball? Yeah, I think yeah, I think he will. I think mm. that's what it's about. Yeah. And he'll play the simple pass. I don't. He's not, I don't. He's, he's he's necessary. They're different players, mm. but I think maybe in this situation. Tom will just play the simple pass, win it back, recycle. So you've got three players like that in the middle. Idrissa, Barry and Tom, win it back, recycle. So if that's the case, you're going to have Barkley, Morales and Delafeu on a strong bench there, aren't you, Gav? Yeah, yeah, as Phil was quite right. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. Um, I think, which is probably tied in again to something we discussed with McCarthy, really. I, I ideally will play four three three tomorrow with um in an ideal world I'd I'd play McCarthy as a guy and Barry as, as three and then play I am like you, I wouldn't play Ross, I'd play mm. uh Balassi, Lukaku and Morales or okay. and that they're the same Ross who raised his game away there yeah. last season scores a crack. Well, yeah. I think we've got to think we've got to think about City here. Yeah. Um, I won't. I won't play three five two because your weakness then is on the flanks. And City play, used, you know, they used the full width of the pitch 
like you know, Nalito and Sterling that are permanently on the touchline. And I think if you've not got two two full backs in that position in, in that lineup, then that space between your wing backs and, and, and centre half is, is vulnerable. But, but do you not think by playing Bainesy and Coleman, two full backs as wing backs, they will naturally pin, uh, pin well, City you, back there and Nalito and Sterling they'll be better fans of bands in their defensive. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I think I think if you have a look at uh, Billets played that for West Ham there and, and they got going stuck City just overloaded the, the flanks, you know. Um but it depends on as you say how you play four backs. Yeah. Everton might play the four backs in a slightly different way to, to, to Billets, but they got found out say West Ham. And and, I, and I, but I wouldn't play the threes. I think that I don't want to complicate things, but I think the thing with City is is to stop them playing with the line in between the lines, isn't it? It's that mm. it, I always think like any Guardiola team, it's that sort of twenty yards in front of the penalty area. You know that 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 is, you've got to like sort of cramp that space. Mm. So that's why I'd have three, I'd have three in that that area with, with your two fullbacks out, out wide. But I think if we had the they had, had the ball and we're pushing forward, I'd probably move it just a guy as a source of support for for the three. Um, so rather than just play the three D, but I think he's got it in him to play sort of box to box, and I think it's what it could be ideal. Tony, is there an argument to play the four four two diamond that he did against Palace because he did that with the intention of making quote it was more compact? Not against Manchester City. Okay. I agree with what Gav touched on. They'll just stretch as said Nilito and Sterling that Everton be so compact, City just stretch the pitch even wider. And I think Everton will get run ragged if that was the case. I agree with you on the formation. I think Everton should try the three five two. Cramped up midfields, and you could, you could even. I, I think by playing the wing backs, Sterling and Nalito wouldn't be more adventurous going forward because they'd be petrified looking behind them. Mm. I think, I think it three five two would shoot Everton down to the ground. Chris, you've picked your team for our team yeah. selector, which you can see on the website now. Did you go? Yeah, I have gone with a, the flat back four. I've got Ooh, um, yeah. Richard, Richard, um, I think like that's stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's a bit of a throwback to the days of Walter Smith. I'm still very, un- very uncomfortable with the free, with the free centre halves, but uh, I know that Ronald does um, favour it at times. He is comfortable with switching to that, so I think he might do it. Um, I I wouldn't go with it myself. I've gone for the flat back four, but I think he might well go with the the free centre halves. But I think it's an interesting call if we go with. Mason Holgate, like what Phil said, or Ramiro Funes Mori, who's obviously been man. bleating about his lack of minutes of late. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the other, the other thing I'd say about City is Guardiola does that thing, doesn't he? Where he took he he tucks the two fullbacks in when they've got the ball, so he keeps the two centre halves, but the two full protected uh, almost. He, yeah, so he, he plays then plays in the middle when they've got the ball on the attack. He plays two centre halves, Fernandinho with the two fullbacks mm. tucked in, and then he plays like sort of effectively five at the front. And I think you've got to be cognizant of that. I mean, that's why, like, I think in that space, if, you, if you're moving your full, full backs forwards, you've got, like, plenty of space on the wings then to attack. I think, like, I'd have sort of Balassi sort of maybe mm. a little bit out wide um, for that. Um, but they do, they do make it difficult for you when they've got the ball, City, because you know, it's, it's quite a good move to move your two, two full backs in. So that means it's very difficult to get people on the break, especially down the middle of the pitch. Mm. So I'd maybe think about, you know, that's why I play 4-3-3. Would you play McCarthy, did you say? Well, we know we're going to talk about it. If, if you don't have McCarthy, cleverly could probably do, mm. do it all. So in effect, it's not too dissimilar to what Bill's saying, really. Mm. Just by the, the counter as you, you, know, you have come full circle. Have you agreed with me? No, then? no. But it's <laughs> not, him in, Phil. We've sucked him in. No, no, no. I'm, I know Chris didn't say the rest of the team there. Man, right? said the back four. Like, yeah, He's only yeah, playing yeah. four at the back. back yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, now, nah, I, 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 ideally McCarthy, 
cleverly could get away with four and four three three. So you brought up McCarthy, and it neatly brings us on to before we talk about um, John Stones about McCarthy. Do you think it was indicative of Cooman's planning for this game that he was so publicly angry with Ireland's treatment of James McCarthy that he that he was that he was actually in his mind he was thinking if Jamesy had come through. 45 minutes in one game, 45 in another, was fine, was fit. He was going to actually start him on Saturday. He may still do that, but do you think his his anger in the press conference and what he said to us, you know, accusing Martin O'Neill and Ireland of killing the player, do you think that was a sign that he was seriously thinking about recalling Jamesy for this game? No, I, I think he, he may not have done, but I think it's clever management on, on Ronald Koeman's behalf here. I think he's... Basically telling Ireland who's boss, if you know what I mean. He's our player, whichever way you look at it. And he, I know Cumin's just got his feet under the table, but he's he's showing Martin O'Neill, listen, he's my player and I'm in charge of him, if you know what I'm coming from. And for future games, we'll say whether he gets released or whatnot, and he's our player. I think he's he, that he's laying down the law to Ireland, whether regards to whether he'll play him or not. I don't think he will. Right. I don't think he will. Just because of form and injuries basis and lack of minutes as well. Yeah. Chris, we've obviously run the subsequent story today. Martin O'Neill has hit back and mm-hmm. quite a, a robust um, response, if you yeah. like, and quite firm in, in, in his, his retort. Have you got sympathy for James in this situation? Because he'd been injured. He hadn't been previous to that. He hadn't really been in the team. Yeah. And you, you kind of have sympathy because when he got the call from O'Neill, you're in the squad, and he went and asked him, do you want to play? Yeah. It would be totally understandable for him to just say, absolutely and he just wants to keep playing, you know. Yeah. But equally, he's done that with the best intentions, but he's come back, as the manager says, massively overloaded. It's happened, it's happened twice now um, this season with Ireland. Seamus Coleman came back and mm. played for Ireland before he'd played for Everton mm. after he'd had um, his, his leg in the cast. He played just once, didn't he? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but O'Neill has done that. He's had a player who's been injured with Everton has put him straight back in. I mean, obviously, he wants to look after his own interests, and I think it would be... Perhaps a bit unfair to say that O'Neill would, would choose a player who, who shouldn't have been um, available. The Ireland staff would would assess the situation themselves. But ultimately, if anything happens to the player, you know it's it, it, to um, Everton's cost, and obviously Everton would foot, would foot the bill um, mm. financially. Well, you can understand where James is coming from. He's had a difficult start to the season. There was talk was was he going? Then he had the injury before the transfer window shut. Um, taken off at West Brom early in the season as well, when he was playing out at wing back. So. He was all over the place, really. So yeah. I think, like you say, he just wants to get out there and, and play. And Gavin, actually, in, in a kind of ironic, cruel way, as James, he maybe made that decision and said to the manager for both games, I'm fit, I can play, because he's thinking, well, I, by playing, I'll prove to the Cooman that I'm fit and ready. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a club versus country, yeah, you know? it's been going on for 50, 60 years. So just, just before I answer that, I think there's a bit of history here, isn't it, that goes back a couple of years with McCarthy in Ireland mm-hmm. and, and Coleman, I think... It, was I think in 2014, Keane made the accusations in the or hinted that he thought that Evan didn't release uh, yeah. Coleman and McCarthy, mm-hmm. sort of like when they should have been doing. Uh, and I think I remember doing something say at the time that they'd actually played more games than anybody in the mm-hmm. preceding 12 months mm-hmm. for Ireland. And and, or, and Everton yeah. players had not just those two, but McGee's. He, he sort of was querying Everton's sort of attitude. Yeah. And I think then. <laughs> then the saga carried on in September because Keane got in an argument over whether James was the first team player that needed to call yes, in, in yeah, September. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, <laughs> you, you don't know, but I'm 
fairly certain that that was probably all that thing was in Ireland sort of thinking when they picked him Jordan during the week. And so it's been going on a couple of years. This hasn't just been going on this week over Ireland players and everything. But going back to your point, yeah, he's, he's in a bit of a rock and hard place, uh, James. To be fair, Cumin said, didn't he? I want to support players when they go, you know, yes, playing international. Yeah. So I mean, he, he's not, he's not mm. stopping players going. Um, if you play for your country and you're there, you selected your teams. Yeah, you, you're going to play, aren't you? Really, I think if you, you think so, and whether he thinks, I don't know whether, I don't know whether perhaps you know, but would there, would there be in that situation any sort of talk between? The two the medical departments yes, before absolutely, James yeah. plays no, in the had, second game. There yeah. had been before he went, Cumin yeah. made that point, and I think the whole the, the idea is that it's continual dialogue, but ultimately, you know, they might switch the phone off when they're making the decision and then yeah. then say, we'll watch the game and find out, you know. <laughs> yeah, for the second game. Hmm. Um it it's 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 been going on donkey's years this, unfortunately. I, but I think James is probably right to play, but the same, he's in, he's in the rock and hard place, isn't he? So can I just ask you this, this mate? Actually, do you think Cumin has been, again, he was so public and so angry? You think a part of that was behind the fact that he needs to get James fit. James, a player who's had injury problems over the past two se- two seasons, because of January. Now he said he won't need to go and sign a replacement for Idrissa Gay when he goes to the Africa Cup of Nations if he gets players back fit. Do you think in his mind's eye he's thinking James would be? probably number one choice if fit to slot in next to Gareth Barry in January and fill the void. And do you think that's why he's so angry with Ireland? I think there's a possibility of that, but I think he obviously alluded to that. He was obviously we tried to get to so cold didn't we so that didn't materialise. So it shows you where he wants to strengthen. It's a good shelf fill. I think it's more than likely that he wants to see James McCarthy fifth from now till January to get him over the line. I think Martin O'Neill's got to be careful here, as in Ratland Everton's cage here. He's, he's got a large catchment of Ireland players who are playing for Everton. So the last thing he wants to do is get on Cumin's work, so to speak. So yeah. because, you, as I said, you, you've got Coleman, you've got, you've got, you've got McGeezy, but I know he's at Preston, like, well, you've got Gibson, you've got players, so he doesn't want to do that to Ronald Cumin. I think James, obviously, he was in the middle of it, and I think he was well within his rights, but I think this isn't the type of game for James to come back straight into a game. He's going to get dragged everywhere yeah. if you're not fit, especially against Manchester City. I, I go with the Tom Cleverley shout, he's more fit than in what James is at the moment. So, interesting stuff. So we'll move on now, and Chris, I'm going to hit you with this first, <laughs> with the question. Seven games in, couple of months on, are Everton better off without John Stones? <laughs> so he didn't cut out, Yeah, just thinking. Now, you can certainly see how the move benefited all parties. He's, gone, he's got his move now to a team in the... The Champions League, which he wanted, he'd push for for it for a year. I mean, to be fair, I mean he was professional last year when he didn't get the move, but obviously, ever since Chelsea came in, that's where he wanted to go. He'll see himself developing under Pep Guardiola. But Everton needed someone who was a defender first and foremost at this point in time, and Ashley Williams was coming, and it's, it's been seamless. Really, got a veteran centre half whose um, first priority is to defend. So, in in many ways, it. Uh, as Kevin Ratcliffe said to us this week, it is a, a deal which has worked out um, the best for all parties, in my opinion. Gav, is, is Chris right in that respect by saying that at this point, at, in, in August, Everton needed two centre-halves whose priority and focus was defending and defending for, for first and foremost, and we couldn't afford to play away uh, you know, a style that was bringing the, the ball out from the back and trying to build that way? 
<laughs> they give us half an hour to think of this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think there's two answers to this question. There's probably about three answers, but I think <laughs> as in the now, as in August to like now, I think Williams, as I've said before, he's an international class defender, isn't he? He's shown that, hasn't he, for Wales, and he produces international class performances. So he's got more consistency than John Stones. I think he takes the weight off Jaggy Elka because it means Jaggy Elka's not, you know, helping Stones and so on. And so and, and I think he's a leader. And, and so as of here and now, I think it's a it, it's within a better place. In the longer term, say if Stones are still here in five years' time and Ashley Williams has finished and Jags has finished, um, and you know John Stones is quote to play with the hundred England caps. Mm. Um, <laughs> whether that whether down the line it's a better move, I don't know. But then that's what forty-seven million quid also gives you. The opportunity to do, doesn't it? Is to, to, to move elsewhere. So, uh, I think short term, yes, better. Longer term, doubtful. Because you don't, if he's that, that good, then longer term, you're missing out on that. Tony, you were very vocal in your opinion about the sale of John Stones, and you were very disappointed mm. that the club did agree to sell him. What do you think? Do you think we are currently in a better state without him, or do you still think we're worse off having let him go? It's the defence is better off, but the football team isn't. I think John Stones is, you know, I praise him. He's, he's, he's a world-class player as far as I'm concerned, and he will go on to be one of the best England players of all time. He's Everton, the defence looks more suited to, to play. I think what they had to do, with obviously, at the start of the season was make Everton more hard to beat, especially after last season, the previous two seasons under Roberto Martinez. By doing that, you had to get defenders in. You could see why. So, John Stones had to go, had to be sold. But in my opinion, he shouldn't have done. You got to keep hold of your best players. And interestingly, we'll touch you on what the fans' reaction is going to be to John Stones tomorrow. I hope it's a good one. Don't forget, John Stones is he's, he's he was so professional during his time. Yet he put two transfer requests in, but not once did he shy away from the fact that because of let's say he bragged he was injured or after time, but he never he put in. Some unbelievable performances. One of the best players I've seen in Everton shirt. And he should be commended for that. Do you think he would get in the Everton team tomorrow? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt about it. John Stones would get in any team, any team in the league. He plays for Manchester City. Manchester City are one of the favourites to win the league. He's already into playing for international. He'd get in any team in, in Europe as far as I'm concerned. He's really that good. Do you think, Gav, do you, th- do you kind of see an almost cruel... Irony about the fact that we've we've let him go, but we've actually now at the same time brought in a manager who isn't scared of playing three at the back. And could you actually foresee John in a back three there tomorrow? He, I know he, it's, it's yeah, a he'd point, be better. But... I mean, he's ideal for the back three, isn't he? In the middle, because your middle player in the back three is the one who brings the ball out. And so, of the, the options available to us at the moment, we haven't really got. I mean, that's our, one of our problems, I suppose. You know, with with the configuration, we haven't got a player at the back in the middle who's comfortable bringing the ball out of defence like Stone. So, how good would he? Get, sorry, Gav. How good would he be alongside Ashley Williams and Phil Jagielka, the man in the middle? Yeah, yeah. He would, looked great at Old Trafford in the preseason game, yeah, by yeah. the way, in the, that three at the back, didn't he? I think that's two experienced players, yeah. proper defenders alongside him. At the same, the same time, ideally, if you're playing three at the back, you want your two two centre halves at the end, either end, to be quite quick because they're the ones who've got to cover out wide. Mm. And that's the thing I'd worry about us at City. He's no slouch, though, is he, got John Stones? No, 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 no. If Stones is in the middle and he had Williams yeah. and, and Jagielka as the outside today, then if you're covering the width of the pitch because you're not playing like orthodox fullbacks, you've got to move quite quickly out to the yeah. uh, out to the out to the out to the, out to the, uh, the wide areas. 
So um, I think that's my problem with the back. We've got, I've got with the back three. Um, but in in Stones, Holgate, and somebody in the future, mm. you know, mm. will be a great, uh, great yeah. back three, as you say. Chris, how do you think the supporters high up in the Etihad? Now I think they'll probably be in that new stand as they have been. How do you think they're going to react to John? You know, it was only 12, 13 months yeah. ago. I remember it was down at White Hart Lane and the singing Money Can't Buy You Stones and it felt like we'd moved on and unfortunately he's gone now. But how, do you, how do you think they'll they'll react to him? Well, like Tony says, they are bitterly disappointed. But I think it, of all mix, I think it will generally be a, a positive, um, good reaction. We've got to remember people like Neville Southall putting several transfer requests. He, he never left. And um, absolute, genuine Everton legend. I think we've... Um, John Stones, like we said, um, he didn't sulk. He just carried on professionally for for, for another year there. And uh, I think it will be a, a generally positive reception. It's, it's a different um, situation as well to when Lescott went, mm. the way he spat the dummy out, the, the non-performance against um, Arsenal. Arsenal and, yeah. and the fact that City, I think, although they had the money, had actually finished below Everton the previous season. Yeah. So it's a completely different situation than that. And I think they'll generally give him the... the um, reception that he deserves. Phil, do you think on the opposite end of the scale, if Rom's coming against any defender, he knows John Stones' game better than anyone's, doesn't he? I think he will fancy his chance in a physical battle with John. Yeah. You know, John's a very a very clever, very adept footballer. Positionally, I think he's improving. I think, you know, and I agree with with what Koeman said, I think he, I think Pep, in so many ways, is the perfect manager for him. Yeah. And, I, and he looks so much happier, doesn't he? Mm. And he's a nice lad, John. We wish him well. But I think if you're if you're Roman, I even think if you're Yannick as well, you'll fancy you, you back yourselves, you know, in a foot race with John. You know, you can cover some ground, John. He's got a very long, graceful stride, but he isn't sharp, mm. so to speak, is he? Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting. But the, the problem is, he's getting us into that position. Yeah, exactly. isn't he? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a bit of stick tomorrow, Stones. To be honest with you, why is that golf, um, though? Why is it? It's just because he's left the club, which <laughs> <laughs> just happens. I think supporters are well, you per- perfectly entitled to give stick to somebody who, who says they want to leave the club. I think well, well, to, well, he, he signed for one of the best clubs in England, playing for one of the world's best managers, yeah. travelling as but, wage. Yeah. Uh, what, so can't we'll, you get your head we'll, we'll I can't see it. Let's put it this way: Will, will it? Will if Gav's right and he gets a bit of stick, will it be under the bracket of? Good-natured ribbing slash banter, or will it be nasty and, and no? Mixed? no it, won't, it won't be, be less grotesque. I think. I think yeah. be, I so think, there you go. I think it'll be sort of along the lines of you know we were twelve months ago we were saying money can't buy buy your stones, and now actually <laughs> you've sort of gone now, haven't you? I think there'll be like a, a couple of city towns that may be behind and Everton that that song <laughs> tomorrow by the way, uh, and I, I think I would hope that uh, there'll be a bit of stick, but I think it'll be hopefully good-natured ribbing. What we've known. Expect the player he goes, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstances do get a bit, you know, if they go for the fee, rather than somebody, you know, plays you've left under a bit of a cloud, yeah, uh, in the past. Uh, and I think, um, I think that would be understandable. Um, but obviously, you don't really, doesn't do anybody's image any good to, to start being Phil. You've you, you spoke to John Stones a few times. Would you, would you see him as a type of character that may? I don't know if he comes under an atmosphere like this, he, he may react to it differently. It's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting point because during during the difficult spells last season, yeah. and, and you know January, the onset of January again, he visibly wasn't right, was mm. he, in his head and his affecting his performances. But I, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting test. My, my, my gut says Pep has, has given him 
or restored the levels of confidence he had when he broke into the Everton team. And I don't expect him to be flustered, but much of that answer will come from what's in Rom's head, what's in Yannick's performance, what, what they put on him and whether they make him or give him reason to feel uncomfortable and get flustered. Because if Rom and Yannick, and especially Rom, don't put him under pressure and just back off and go, oh, John's a great footballer, you can't press him, he'll just pass around us. Then he'll have a he'll have a field day, won't he? Yeah. And how he... important is the start then? Because if John Stones gets off to a great start, starts spraying forty yard balls, yeah. coming out with the ball, taking midfielders on. If it goes the other way and he makes the odd mistake or Everton get an early goal, then you'll soon see the the true John Stones, won't you? Well, I think it'll be as I said. I think it'll be a, a, a real test of his character and his yeah. temperament. If he's and you know, I think I, I'm 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 sort of looking at this from afar. I would say that. He seems to have settled in well at City and they seem to have taken to him. But you can imagine if, if things aren't going well and he's at the heart of maybe giving some loose passes away, the Etihad will get edgy yeah, because they I, have done when we, the re- we've played there. Sorry, Gav, the reason I asked that, as we've seen, I think it was last season, or probably the season before, was when he didn't kick the ball out that time and he was telling the park mm-hmm. end to calm down. So you can see the atmosphere may get to him. The, the only good. thing is City fans have been bred on, certainly for the first seven games, mm-hmm. and to a lesser degree yeah. under Pellegrini. They're used to that football, aren't they? So it's not like Huddersfield yeah. yeah, where we yeah, just yeah. like just get rid. Yeah, yeah. They they're used to it. Become a little yeah. bit more acclimatised to it. Yeah, aren't yeah. They? I was just a, just a point there. I know we talked tactics before and things like that. You mentioned like Balassi and Lukaku pressing. Well, to be fair, for at least one of them players, you know, Roma doesn't come naturally. And and I think Cumin sort of hinted at this, hasn't he? He's said that he's not totally satisfied mm. yet with what what we're doing. Mm. So you think tomorrow that. Lukaku in particular has got to up his game a bit in terms of his work rates compared to previous games this season. Absolutely, Gav. Sorry to interrupt because I assume it's probably going to be off to Mendy alongside yeah. uh, John tomorrow. Now, one of the sort of lasting memories of that cup semi-final defeat was me when we were chasing that second goal at the Etihad late in the game. I just remember Otto Mendy just, just outsmarted Rob. And I'm thinking, OK, you can be... You know, you can come up against a more intelligent footballer who's better positionally and, and, and knows how to kind of, you know, where to be and stuff. But I was thinking, Rom has got all the physical attributes to negate that and say to Otamendi, yeah, you might be a smart footballer, but I'm six foot six, yeah. 13, 14, 15 stone of pure muscle. I'm just going to ride roughshod over that. And he didn't impose himself enough. And that's my fear with Rom. That he doesn't do that enough. And I think tomorrow he has to. I think he's got to do it every day. I, I just think... I don't know what Chris thinks, but I, I don't think he does enough for me, no. Ron. No, he did. The thing is, with Lukaku, he's an excellent goal scorer. He's, he's always had that. He knows where the back of the net is. But he's almost like a jet, too much of a gentle giant in some um, aspects. Like I said, there's been those great goals. He scored against Dynamo Kiev when they were bouncing off him. Or um, <laughs> yeah. the game, the cup game against Chelsea when he the slalom run last season. And when he does that, it, people just can't match up with him physically. But he doesn't do enough of that. And it, perhaps it doesn't come naturally to him. So... It's almost sometimes like he's got to be riled. Somebody's got to wind him up sometimes. In, in my head, I can see a situation, I hope it doesn't play out like this, that when we do turn over the ball, and the rare occasions that might happen, it's fed to Rom, he's got his back to goal, and I, I can't shake this, this horrible feeling that he's going to be too ponderous. And a smarter and quicker stone than Otamendi, who aren't as physically strong or imposing, just going to nip in and get the ball. But this, yeah. is where, this is where Everton's support comes from in the, in the areas. This is where we haven't seen... A Ross Barkley support or a yeah. Ke- Kevin Rowley support on the fringes and the cups that we've seen so far, 
in the stadium are lighting at the Hawthorns. You've seen attacking midfields as Kevin Morales and, and the likes and Jared Delafeu supporting Rom, getting yeah. tight to him. The last thing I want to see tomorrow is Rom one end of the pitch and Everton's midfield's in their own half. It's just it's a waste of time. Yes, yes. The support has to be there. Yeah, we're all well and good telling Rom to hold it up and turn, but he's going to need the support. He's going to be surrounded by two top centre-halves. Do you think Osamendi's a top centre-half? I think he is, yeah. I think yeah. he I think he can be got at, but I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think mentally, I think positionally, he's very good. But I, I think yeah. in the, in you know in the cut and thrust of the Premier League, I think sometimes he gets found out. Unfortunately, not enough yeah. times by Ron. I think tomorrow as well the formation. Going back to the formation, he <laughs> may not have three around tomorrow, maybe. Mm. But it's going to be know, even yeah, worse, isn't it? So yeah. Balassi is going to have to be yes, touch yeah. tight to Ron yeah. more than anything. And it's how you play your, your three, whatever configuration, <laughs> you know, like sort of, uh, you know, he cleverly. It's just how, how they play as well. You yeah. know, that they probably may need to be up to pitch a little bit more when we've got the ball than normally. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, still, so I think if we can hit. Well, if that's the case that we play, like, say, three defensive midfields as Guy, Barry, and Cleverly, so to speak, well, just a guy's going to be pushing more forward. That's what like I said, we've yeah. seen he at the stage of yeah. life, we've yeah. seen it. He, he can do it, and he, he's done it in a few games, and he's, he's eminently capable of being, I wouldn't say like a box to box midfield, mm. but as somebody who's, who's very effective. I mean, I think he starts as that, didn't he? I mm, think he, yeah. he starts his career more up the pitch. Uh, he's got it in his locker, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's far more effective. And he's seen, I think, again, he was against Borough, he put a couple of good crosses in this one. Man, it's interesting when, interesting when you look at, so again, going back to the tactics and stuff, and you think about how Spurs played against City. And Sissoko seems to do quite well in that formation. Strong, powerful, played mm. right. And you just think maybe... It's maybe these games at Coombe, why Coombe had pushed for somebody like him. Do you think Do you think Everton seemed too lightweight against if they play against the Fernandinho? Well, I, 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 my feeling is that you, you can... It's, you know, Koeman talks about being aggressive, pressing aggressively. And I think that also, for this game, for my, in, in my eyes, means, you know, really being physical. Mm. You know, unsettling City, unsettling Silver, unsettling Aguero, you know, being, yeah. being the mean. Face, yeah. And, you know, and I just... There are, there are areas of the pitch maybe you'd say we don't quite have that. No, I don't know. Do you think the whole Everton team have got that in the locker to do that for 90 minutes, Phil? It's a big ask, isn't it? Because they're only just really learning it, aren't they? Because yeah. yeah. we've seen Tottenham do it, but Pochettino's had Tottenham and then group of players yeah. to play that yeah. way for a long time, yeah. where Cumans had seven but games. This, this you know, you could foresee a situation. Now, again, touch wood, hope it doesn't happen. They do it for 60, 65, 70 minutes, mm. and then it's just bang. bang yeah. One lapse of yeah. half a yard to go around you, it's all over. But this goes back to what I was saying before. We're playing away from home, so like we're top Spurs are playing at home, right? so mm. it's a slightly different dynamic. And you know, we can afford to sit in a little bit more away from home and, and, and like press when we need to rather than 90 minutes of getting at the opposition's throat. And and that's why I said like three, three men in, in the front of a back four would. would would help help us uh, help us do that. Um, so I think we can do it, but I think we need to pick and choose it tomorrow. But uh, I, I agree with everybody's saying. I think you are right. So is that it's all right doing that? But we've got to show something up top, haven't Definitely. we? Let's, let's not forget, of course, in the league we did go there and get a point last season. Yeah, which you know, Martinez team dug in and got a deserved point. Yeah. So a clean sheet as well. Nil nil, yeah. Nil nil. Yeah. Martinez clean sheet. I wonder if John, John Stones are going to be played like back right, tomorrow. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from John Stones, who is in Everton's past, and let's look to Everton's future, their long-term future. Chris, uh, mm-hmm. today, uh, as again you've seen our, on our website, 
pictures of uh, Fahad Mashiri leading an Everton delegation yeah. down to a, a site at the Bramley Moor Dock on, on the banks of the Royal Blue Mersey, um, scouting out and looking at a potential site for a new stadium. How, how as an Evertonian, Chris, how did those images make you feel? It's been going on for almost a generation now. These these new stadiums that came up in the mid-90s, I remember the Ever Everton was searching for a new stadium then. It's been going on for 20 years at least now. And with King's Dock falling through, we thought that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and Everton were never going to get that back. So to get an opportunity for another waterside stadium, it's almost like Evertonians don't want to get too excited at this stage, just in case it's like taken from under the rug again. But... Um, We've got to remember there's actually two sites here, the, um, the, the site at Stonebridge Cross, which is the easy option, but it's not the right option. It almost seems almost unanimous that um, Evertonians want this waterfront site. So is it wrong for Evertonians to get excited? You know, Is it wrong for us to get too far ahead of ourselves on the back of these images and, and the intent that Farhad Mashiri is clearly showing? I think Chris was right there. It's hard not to get excited when you're seeing these pictures of... You've got the owner of your football club, but the major shareholder of the football club, who's obviously got a few quid, and he's looking at potential sites, and one's just so iconic in the heart of Liverpool City Centre, which would just, it catapults Everton to another level, another level completely. It'd, it'd, it'd be if, if they can get over that, obviously, it'd be, it'd be all our dreams come true for was I'm, I'm concerned. I love Goodison Park. I, I love it with all my heart, but it, the only thing that could make it possible for me, sadden to, to leave Goodison would be an iconic waterfront stadium. Uh, as I said, and on, on that skyline, it'd be, it'd be unbelievable. And the potential it's got, the potential of football club it's got, the area, it's, it's got everything about it. Gav, what message does it send out when you see our pictures? You know, what, what message does it send out to the fans? Um... I wouldn't say commitment, but, you know, not like one of these. That was just saying it for the sake of it, really. I know we can still carry that on by going, but there does appear to be a genuine commitment or, uh, I think, need to do something. I mean, dare I say, you know, that when you see the size of the main stand at Anfield now and the yeah. fact that you can't see it from yeah. the ground, and I mean, considering Everton is the senior club in the, in the city, it doesn't look... Great as a, as a mm. club when, when that happens, does it? Um, and so I think I'm not saying that, that that's the prime move behind it, but that's certainly highlighted the need yeah. to what you know what Tony alluded to before that Goodison. Though I wouldn't want to move, I've sort of changed my mind over the last six months. What's um, changed your mind? Is it has it been I, the series I, I, I think arrival? The, I think the main stand at Anfield for the right, start okay. and, and and the who hard around that. Um, when you know, I don't think we can possibly do that within the, the confines of Goodison as it stands at the moment mm -hmm. and it's just you know and it's just highlighted that you know the developments elsewhere uh, across the park over the last 20 years I think have three three of the stands in the last 20 years been downfield roads yeah, you, yeah, you know and you know and we've really sat back and we've got a paint and mm -hmm. bit of this and bit of that you know um, and I think I haven't seen that and we're just now lagging behind I, I, I'm still you know It'd be great as a as a as a figurehead, you know, figurehead for the club or whatever you would call it, as an iconic club image. I'm still remain to be convinced around the business side of it and like what it does to the well being of, of the club financially. Um and as we see in the Bit West Ham, there are some sometimes some, some mm. uh, 
you know, unexpected teething problems. So I, I, I'm still a bit, you know, I'm not remain to be convinced of that side of it. Because in terms of having an iconic image, as you say, so on the road, Blue Maisie, etc., you know, that's enough to, to I develop think, it. I think the thing that does for me, if you speak to the majority of people, when you go on your holidays or whatnot, and you go to Everton, is that in Liverpool? They, they don't really get it. But if you've got your iconic stadium on the skyline of the city, then people are going to recognise you more. Majority of people outside of Europe, they won't know Everton are in Liverpool. They just think it's a football team somewhere in England. Yeah, and I, I think that's what Everton need to do. I, I know they can't just be a football team in L4. They've got to spread the horizons around the world. And by doing this, you put a football stadium in the middle of Liverpool city centre. And that's what it, it draws. It draws everything away from it. It, it. it draws people who come to the city, and it, it gives an idea, you know, of where Everton is in terms of the city a lot more. But if you're never been to the city and you're watching Premier League football in Thailand or something, you, you're really going to be, you know, it's really going to make a difference where Everton is. Of course, uh, it does. Well, you've got tourists coming into the city. When you go into any city across Europe, even if you're on a day trip or not, and you're in the city centre. And there's one football stadium on your doorstep. You'll go and visit it on a. Yeah. Oh, of course you do. That's what you do. Yeah, but the, you know, the, it's, it's still a relatively small proportion of people come to the city, don't they? I mean, I know what you're saying, and you have words and all, but you know, yeah, but you know, you're talking populations of you know tens of hundreds of millions in, in Asia, aren't you, and stuff in America. But what it, what it, what it does it, it, in these days of social media and stuff like this, it, it does give you an image to, to promote, doesn't it? That, that's yeah, the presence. It's like Kirby yeah. in reverse, where yeah. that was moving out of the city. This is really putting it back at the heart. I think, like I say, that iconic skyline. Mm. I mentioned this with Dr. Franz during the week when I was on the previous podcast. I live in New Brighton, so mm. right on the front there, mm. and you can see both the stadiums. We've always been able to see them both there, but Anfield so much dominates the skyline. Now, it's, mm. on a, it's on a hill anyway, so it's higher up anyway, but because of that massive main mm. stand now, whereas Goodson's almost dwarfed sure. by that. We've seen, obviously, broken promises and everything over the past few years. This was a serious delegation of... Everton Football Club era, wasn't it? What we seen all behind the scenes. Who was there? Yeah, I mean, on the surface, you know, on the surface, this didn't strike you as just some sort of token, yeah, you know, gesture, so to speak. You had Farhad there, Bill was there, uh, John Woods, Robert Elston, these Barrett Baxter, Sasha Ryzanstep, Dan Mice, the American architect who the club have been working with. He's been consulting with them. Um, Joe Anderson, of course, mm. you know. There was, you know, and this wasn't something that they were just kind of it was open for yeah. people just to walk in and see what they were doing. It looked like there was, you know, a security presence yeah. there, especially at the gates. Look, for for all intents and purposes, this was a serious fact-finding mission, so to speak. You know, you wouldn't fly Dan Mice halfway across the world uh, just for every Evertonian I speak to. They're all adamant that this is the correct move for the the future of Everton Football Club. Chris, I just want to make a, mm-hmm. a point as well because you made a really interesting point a couple of months ago. Uh, and you did a royal blue column once, mm-hmm. and you said, "Forget signing players. Forget, you know, what happens on the pitch necessarily to an extent." Yeah. Fahad Mashiri's real legacy Can will be. be the building of Everton's new home. Yeah, players come and go. Um, like we said, um, John Stones, even Romelu Lukaku, they'll they'll all be long gone. But the, the stadium that's for generations of Evertonians mm. for years to come. Of course, I want him to help develop the football side of things, that's what comes first and foremost, but nobody's been able to deliver this before now. Um, Peter Johnson tried, that didn't happen, it's not happened under the whole Ken Wright regime, so now that Bill's brought Farhard in, this really could be um, 
the, the lasting legacy that he brings to the football club. Absolutely, but obviously we put that to the back of our minds for the time being and we focus on a trip down the East Lancs tomorrow. <laughs> uh, tradition dictates, traps that we give our predictions. Gav, how do you see Saturday afternoon going? Um, I'm going to go with... Oh, she's going to be controversial. No, yeah, no, 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 Chris, what do you think, mate? I was going to go with a one-all draw, but just to be to, to mix it up, then why why not just be crazy and say one-nil Everton? Oh, <laughs> uh, you should come here, come on. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do optimism here, Chris. I think I'll go for a repeat of Roberto Martinez-inspired heroic nil-nil last season, and think we'll hang on for a point. And I think, I think you know, let's see how it pans out. But a clean sheet at City sent out some proper signals for Everton, and I'm 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 fairly confident. We can, we can achieve that. So, fingers crossed. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. We've covered a variety of topics there. Plenty to get stuck into after the international break. But uh, stay with the Liverpool Echo across this weekend for all the best previews and, and analysis from the, uh, the City game. Cheers. <laughs>